introduction. <laughs> but here's what you have to realize. We currently have two members of the podcast on FaceTime. Both of them decided at the end of the song they were going to open up their shirts. <laughs> and they didn't decide it together. They can't even see each they other. They can't see each other. They did it completely separate. <laughs> so I'm not even going to do the quote that I had planned. Oh we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> Let's just roll with it. It feels good. Let's just roll with it. That was amazing. What's up, everybody? This is we're back, the Capeless Crusaders. It feels feels like the very first time, doesn't it? You know me. My name is Curtis at Calm Down Warning, also at Existential Romeo. Who is to my left? To your left via FaceTime. Uh actually I found the key to the Crusaders mansion. After a three-day episode absence, I was able to get in. This is Tall, Dark, Not Ugly on everything on everything. Let him back in. All right, and uh, to his left. Realizing the worst thing about laundry day is you can't find your utility belt. This is the historian <laughs> one, Anthony Steves. Uh, and my name, as always, is David Barry at DRBarry on varying social medias. So before we go into our next uh, Round the Horn... Uh, one of our listeners had decided to give me some uh, personal face-to-face feedback about our Around the Horn session. Uh, mm. He said that, and I quote, well, this isn't a direct quote because I can't remember what exactly what he said. Basically, <laughs> rough quote, um, you guys, when you describe the comics you're reading, you sound like a kid trying to explain it to their parents. And, and then, and, and, and then, and then Superman, and then he punched Batman, and then Batman, said, oh, and then that he man. got the kryptonite. And then, oh my gosh! So, and then uh, needs, uh, Mickey, Mickey, if you're listening, uh, we're gonna make this entire episode around the horn just to spite you. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about mine. <laughs> well, that's not true. We're gonna do a standard round the horn. Um, I just thought I'd give you guys that feedback. Take with, with what you will. I don't know. I mean, freaking break down the entirety of the. Infinity Crisis, if you want to. Infinity War, Infinite Crisis. Anyway. Infinity Infinite? I don't know. Crisis War, Gauntlet. I'll kick this thing off Andy Lee style. (laughs) I am a Niners fan. Uh, So after much, I wouldn't call it teasing, but let's say pointed encouragement from the rest of the crew, (laughs) my daughters and I finally got around to our... uh, Metcalf, where are you at when I need you? You're supposed to be here. We got around to our brony session. Oh, my God. And I went indie for the second time. That cherry is gone now. And uh, we finally read our My Little Pony IDW comic. Hey, I would just like to point out, the My Little Pony, the whole thing, while people may mock bronies, and I'm in no way saying I will ever become a brony, the whole reason the guys started this is because the My Little Pony stories are full of positivity. Yep. They're full of lighthearted fun. Yep. You know, they're full of good lessons. You know, it's great hair. Great hair. Great uh, hair. And I mean, especially like I said, I'm I'm not you know bronies. You know, whatever floats your boat. But for you, especially for you and your daughters, that's a perfect example of a way to to teach them something. Yep. Give them a comic and also give them something they were probably already entertained by. They were. Uh, unfortunately, their father doesn't have the best timing. It was like right before bed, and usually a bedtime story puts kids to sleep they were kind of already sleep and i was like oh no we're gonna do this we're reading this now <laughs> and they were not feeling it so we got about three pages through oh um, uh, here, here's the mickey version of things there were ponies ah. there was a castle 
it was made out of crystal. The the lonely pony went to the castle. The princess pony said, "You are not going alone." And then we put the bookmark in. Dynamic Mike, eat that. <laughs> Is this word for word? Is that how it was written? <laughs> yes, at the top of that's each page. E- that's exactly the ponies how went to the castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's very kid fr- kid slash Mickey friendly. Go Zags. Ah. There you go, Zags. Tom, you haven't been here in a while. What have you been reading? I've read. <laughs> Ooh. Um, he he asked me, not you, Steve. Sorry. Uh, I know how to read. So, <laughs> actually, in my absence, I read a lot, but in the past two days or week, I haven't read anything. But Throwback Thursday, um, I actually finished Court of Owls. Not wait, wait, a Night of Owls. Night of Owls. It's the sequel to Court of Owls. Okay. And I don't know if I want to spoil it because I remember in the last episode they were you guys were who was someone was reading it. That'd be a Steve's. And, a Steve's is uh, is getting started into Court of Owls, which I think that's probably what he wants to talk about. Okay. Well, <laughs> and he's pantomiming because apparently we can't hear him anymore. <laughs> well, I uh, okay then I'll talk about Arkham Asylum. Um, it's, I forget the exact name. It's like Arkham Asylum, the strange lonely house or something. Um, it has like very impressionistic artwork. I don't know if you guys seen it. It's like a really creepy demonic looking, like, um, Joker. Mm. And this is exactly what Mickey was talking about. Like how we're explaining it. Like (laughs) parents. anyways, it's a story about Amadeus Arkham and how he creates Arkham Asylum. But then Batman comes in because all the inmates are let loose and there's a big riot and he has to go through and stop all of it. And at the very end, you find out that the kind of curse of Arkham is that whoever the warden is, starting with the actually own uh, Amadeus Arkham becomes insane and then actually in Prisoned inside their own Arkham Asylum. Tom, I'm going to show this to you real fast. This is the artwork. You're talking about Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. Yes. Yeah. No, you want want to talk about some impressionist but freaking amazing artwork? It's actually kind of known as the canon, if not the biggest origin of Arkham, which, you know, like how Fox is making Gotham a kind of a character. Mm-hmm. Which you know is really de- relevant in the DC universe. Yeah, Arkham itself is a big character in the Batman verse. Definitely. So if also, you're definitely kind of get your fix in gritty stories and kind of creepy stories, it's definitely one to read. This one will be good, good for you, Steve's, just because based on what you've been interested in. However, it does include the Batman that you might not be the biggest fan of, which has the larger, pointy ears. They're not the they're not giant because when I was at the uh, comic book store today, I did see they have an action figure now of the Vampire Batman and Vampire yeah. Batman. He had the ten foot spikes. Oh, so yeah, that's so, the one I don't like. So this one, he yeah, has the larger that. one, but he also has, and this is. Um, similar to the uh, Batman Batman and Spawn comic book that McFarlane and Miller did. He's got the, like, the horn, the, the shoulder pads that kind of curl up, mm-hmm. but gives him this very large um, silhouette where he's very, very bat-like. Creepy-looking. Yeah, very okay. creepy, and he's, a, lot, a lot of it is his face being obscured. You know, a lot of black. Very fearful, yeah. vampire-like. 
Yeah. That's yeah, and, and Grant Morrison is an amazing writer. So good nice. job, Tom. Thank you. Proud of you. And Steve. I liked it. What what do you have? Ready? Yes. The comic rookie has three what oh, comics snap explain all of them in great detail and then well, while mickey is, and then while mickey is listening to the podcast describe it to it in his ear while he's listening to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> okay one is waiting on deck and that one is an invincible volume three ah yes there we go it's up next because i finished the other two and you finished Ready? two but then you gave two to Jay. Jay also has three already in his possession, and it's because he was burning through them a lot faster because he didn't have as much to read as you did. Bingo. There we so, go. So, I just finished Court of Owls. Yeah. Uh, uh, ooh, that did was you, good. Did you buy the, the box set that came with the mask? I didn't. Oh, I'm I did not. I mean, I already have my own cow. I told yeah, you to no. download it on yeah. iBooks. It's a stupid mask. <laughs> I love the mask. I was gonna wear it to like cosplay at Comic Con. I would fight you if I saw you wearing it, Ooh, dude. That'd be Batman awesome. against Batman. No, oh, I thought. Well, I mean, I, I, I would do, I'd be a talon. Owl. My bad. Owl cow. You guys are just going back and forth right now. Tom, okay. quick, quick cut uh, off the so, Red Court of Owls. Really interesting. The take of this organization that's been in Gotham for hundreds of years, and Bruce had no idea about it. And when he's face-to-face with them, he's driven to the edge, both physically and mentally. And he survives, but now he's got this uh, take on Gotham where, do I know it as well as I used to? Right. While the Court of Owls is now heading into Gotham, causing chaos. And I'll be getting Volume 2 shortly, um, which is Night of Owls. And the one I was very excited about all summer long, the first issue came out Wednesday. I know where this is going. And I read it with a massive one down there. Boner? Boner? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tom. Bat boner. And that is Quentin Tarantino's Django In Zorro. Zorro. Nice. nice. First issue, it's a monthly one, so I'm, I'm a little pissed off. It's like, I wait a month now. Yeah, wel- welcome to comic books, Steve. Oh. <laughs> um, it takes place after the events of Django Unchained, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Django is heading throughout. He's continuing his bounty hunter status. He's gone to the West Coast, and he comes across this uh, older rich man. And the older rich man is Don Diego de la Vega. Who is Zorro? Um, I wasn't sure where they're going to take it, and then I realized, you know, Django takes place two years before Civil War, and in Zorro's prime, California wasn't a state yet. Right. So there's a age difference there. Diego is much older. He's left California. California's safe, but he's now seeking injustice and criminal activity outside of California. Uh, you don't see him in the outfit yet, but someone does get a Z carved into their hand. Mm. And it's so awesome. Nice. <laughs> nice. What's funny is how much they're going into it. So Tarantino is co-writing. At the same time, if you follow the Dynamite Comics Twitter account, 
There is a Spotify Dino playlist Man. for each issue. Oh, snap. So you have a soundtrack to listen to oh, that is so while you're reading. Awesome. So and it's awesome. totally Tarantino style. You have the Django theme. You have Take Me With You by Santana. <laughs> you have The Professional nice. by DMX. Oh, wow. And then you have the Zorro theme from the 50s. Rad. So each issue will have a soundtrack that's Tarantino style for this story. That is perfect. So Can awesome. you see the massiveness? Can you see it? <laughs> Look at it. Will you see this? I Put that thing away. You're going to put an eye out. Sorry. I broke the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was awesome. Did, did that? Co- okay, so that covered all of yours right there. That Django yes. Unchained. I, I now I'm free to read Invincible Volume Three. Nice. And then order the second Night of Owls. Oh man. Whew. I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to complete that uh that Court of Owls, uh, and so I can roll into the Night of Owls with you because I only read that one issue from uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws where it tied in to uh the whole batman storyline curtis i know you're a Django fan i am and i have my Django poster somewhere i need to put it up all right i will i promise mr barry yes please yes please for the love of mickey finish it please finish it so um, while Halloween may have already come and gone, I read, uh, oh. sorry, Steve's, uh, I read a couple, uh, horror comics okay. this week. That's, uh, for those of you listening, horror, H O R R O R, not oh. the other one. Not horrors? Just checking. Yeah, you mean just, you did talk about sex crimes yes. just a few episodes ago. <laughs> so just want to make sure. And here comes the seeds. Staying on the up Ooh. and up. Coming out of the iPad. Uh, <laughs> did the Swamp Thing show up in any of the issues that you read? Just out of curiosity. Not quite. Constantine? <laughs> nope. No? No. All right. Go for it. <laughs> well, actually, what? actually, I take that back. Okay. So I'm in the process of I have I now have the fourth and fifth trade. Of Saga of the Swamp Thing, okay, which was when Saga uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing was originally um, started by Vertigo, and then which Vertigo was then an imprint of DC, okay, um, and Swamp Thing, a handful of issues in, was taken over by none other than the mystical, strange, rape obsessed wizard that is Alan Moore. <laughs> oh snap! All so right. I've been warned. Yeah, so it's it's weird. It's it's amazing. That's the thing. So the thing about Alan Moore taking over Swamp Thing is he made it amazing. You know, originally Swamp Thing was an individual who was working on this, you know, formula that worked with, you know, bioorganic material. Okay. Um attacked by a rogue group of terrorists, an explosion, he gets covered in the stuff, lit on fire, dives into the swamp, and he comes out as Swamp Thing, and everyone thinks that he's basically the person covered in the swampiness, right. mixed with the the whatever potion he was working on. I'm going to say potion now. Yeah. Uh, but what Alan Moore did was Alan Moore took it a completely different direction, which has stayed true until the New 52, okay. was that Swamp Thing actually... Um, um, the The doctor who is Swamp Thing died in that swamp when he fell to the bottom he was dead okay but using that formula he was working on combined with the green which is the the elemental spirit of forests and vegetation right they created their champion who usually their champion was an individual who was absorbed by the green in this instance mm-hmm. he wasn't the, he they used his thoughts and memories to create their green knight oh nice. and the green knight being swamp thing so the entire time for well not the entire time for a big chunk of it he thought he was the doctor 
he thought he could because he had the memories. He had the memories, and he thought he could fix himself. Got well, it. And that's part of the part of the struggle. Part of his internal struggle is once he realizes by talking to the green, you're not who you were. You're not the man you were. You are a creature. You are a champion. You just have the memories. And at that point, Got he it. embraces his abilities, and that's when he becomes able to lay down, be absorbed into a swamp or a forest or anything and raise up that entire area. He's able to transport basically anywhere there is organic living plant matter. He can teleport there, which one of of my favorite scenes is when he goes after Constantine Uh and Constantine thinks he's safe because he had just made a deal with him. He thinks he's safe. He's in his hotel room and he has a a bag of uh, tobacco. And all oh, of a sudden, that's right. the tobacco starts nice. to grow, and out of the tobacco <laughs> comes a brown tobacco swamp thing. And he's just like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> so, yes, I, I have, I have. I mean, I'm in the fourth and fifth trade of Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore. Um, the other two titles I read this week, both uh, in their second issue, one from IDW, which is October Faction, okay. which uh, focuses around a, a university professor who teaches almost a, uh, for you Harry Potter fans, almost like a defense against the dark arts kind of a class. Okay. It's about monsters and their their stories and how to defeat them. Um, but it turns out it's from personal experience because he was at one point a monster hunter. Yeah. Uh, he had a partner who in their last job was turned into a werewolf. Okay. Um, they go their separate ways. Um, the university professor now has kids. Um, the kids want to follow him in his footsteps and he's trying to keep them out of it. And that's where we're going right now. Nice. Um, and then the other one is speaking of court of owls, none other than Scott Snyder himself has gone back to image comics for a creator owned title known as witches, Hmm. witches with a Y instead of an I. Um, so what witches does is it focuses on the story. So a lot of people, when they think of a witch, they think of, you know, long hook nose, they think of a wart, they think of a pony, pointy hat, broomstick, right. black cat. Cauldron. What those were Exactly. What those were in this story is those were the people who worshipped the witches. Okay. The witches are these beings, these creatures out in the forest. Okay. Um, and they are ancient and evil and eat people, of course. Yes. Uh, as all evil things do. Yes. Uh, and witches focuses on a family who has moved across the country after an incident where everyone blames their daughter for murdering a little girl. Oh, but what actually happened is the little girl was trying to kill their daughter, and that little girl was sucked into a tree and eaten by the witches. Oh, So the snap. witches have some connection nice. to this girl, and we don't know what it is yet. We don't know okay. why they want her. But in the end of the second issue, it's like, everything it's i mean it's only the second issue and it's already like everything's already coming to a head you know there's the the witches are coming after the daughter this strange man has come after her father we don't know what his connection to the witches are so it's creepy i immediately tweeted scott snyder about how angry i was because i read it at like midnight and then i didn't go to bed till like three in the morning because it scared the crap out of me because he was talking about how you know he would be a kid and he would walk through the trees and he would see this monstrous being and he'd look around and he'd turn back and it was a tree yeah, but it thought he thought there was some behind the tree. Yeah, and I'm like sitting there laying in bed, and you know the the wind is blowing, so I see the trees moving in the <laughs> moonlight, and I was like, "Damn you, Snyder! <laughs> You're good. You're good." So mine was uh, it was very uh, it was a horror a horror mystery week for me. Uh, and you reminded that- me, uh, Vertigo is teamed up with Dynamite on Django and Zorro. Yeah, they're doing it together. Yeah, yeah so that's that's um, I've been finding some interesting crossovers. Um, the certain characters going head to head that otherwise wouldn't be involved. And it's what's really come down to is like Marvel and DC won't talk to each other, 
But Marvel and DC are totally willing to work with any other like in, independent publisher and do do stories. There's a couple different crossovers going on right now. Um, oh, I wasn't I wasn't aware of Vertigo was until I got the Django Vertigo, Zorro yeah. issue. Vertigo Googled being it. imprint of. I'm like, DC. oh, they're DC. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Basically, uh, and up until, again, the New 52, DC yeah. basically had all their dark stuff on Vertigo. Yeah. They still have dark stuff. Read that. But Vertigo is American Vampire, again, Scott Snyder. Vertigo is Swamp Thing. Vertigo is Sandman. Vertigo Const- is Constantine. Um, now, Constantine, of course, is just a standard DC hero. But his early stuff in Vertigo. Oh. Mm-hmm. Do they still have the v- separate Vertigo app? Because that's where I was seeing all those things before. I don't know. I wonder if they've kind of... Like kind of I don't know if they're kind of yeah if they're kind of keeping them separate because I know or... they have like a Vertigo section in, inside of the DC app right. store. Well, because it's definitely well they brought Constantine over. The universes don't really don't really blend. Okay, it almost feels like the Vertigo universe is separate from DC. Okay, um, again I don't know if it's a multiverse kind of a situation. Right, but why not? D- right, yeah, always. And I also learned that the Zorro productions have bounced back and forth between Marvel. And DC, right. there's like the '70s was Marvel who was doing it, uh, and now they've signed on with Vertigo right. and DC. Well, I was reading there's a there's a comic I saw in this store that I almost wanted to buy. Uh, it was DC. Uh, it was the DC superheroes versus the Masters of the Universe, and it's it's Superman, you know, with a fist up in the air, and then He Man is swinging at him with his sword. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are we? What is what is going on right now? Yeah, I don't know. But um, but yeah, so that leads us into well, it doesn't at all because it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible segue. <laughs> I'm gonna point out because Drew hates when I point out the segues. <laughs> but but uh, Drew JMC and Drew Mick, Drew Mick and the Jamie Burgess, uh, the Jamie Burgess, uh, Jamie Burgess, uh, the Jamie Burgess on everything on all the places. The Jamie Burgess. <laughs> uh, well, Jamie was in for a little while to record a vlog. He's not here recording. Drew working late tonight. Um, so we do not have them here, but I assume they both read stuff. So uh, <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> very well. But yeah, so uh, so pretty much what I wanted to kind of talk about tonight, and uh, the the reason I want I, the reason I bring this up is um, this past week uh, week's episode of The Flash, we were intru- introduced to Plastique. Plastique, who her meta human ability was anything she touched, she could charge it up and make it an explosive, somewhere to gambit. Yes. That's like Gambit, yeah. <clears throat> um, and... Oh, get the IE, get the Gambit. You call Gambit? The boss that. I knew I shouldn't have said Gambit, damn it. Somebody throw that guy a crud at him. Um, <laughs> with style, petite, with style. <laughs> so I, I talked about this after the episode aired. It was it was a good episode. I liked it. We were introduced to the general, yep. um, who in the comics is, you know, a monster. But in here, he's an actual general. Yeah. Well, for now. Yeah, anyway, for now. Yeah, we'll see what happens. working together. And then I'm just going to ask real fast. All, have all four of us watched that episode? Yep. I jizzed my pants. Okay. Watching. So the, <laughs> That's a yes. So I think you saw so it, Tom. Statute of, of <laughs> limitations. the general was Lex Luthor. No, dude, the general was Mr. Krabs. Lex Luthor. <laughs> same guy. <laughs> that's, the, that's that's who he is to me. And I love Mr. Krabs too. But well, Mr. So, Krabs Luthor. <laughs> so besides uh, Mr. Krabs being the, the, the general, um, we also were introduced to a nice little... No, it wasn't even a teaser. It was kind of obvious at the very end. Uh, we see that Harrison Wells and the general had had working with before, yep. and uh, the general Firestorm baby. N- no Firestorm. Well, no, no. The what, Harrison what Well. Talking? No, Harrison Well kicks. 
it's, they already took care of Ronnie. He got stuck in the whole exactly. Meta- so they also, I feel like that's a big tie-in for Firestorm. No, so here's the thing. So, dang it, we're trying to stay on topic, but let's talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> however, uh, at the end of that episode, we got you know a cage with a gorilla in it. Oh, yes, and the the tag yeah. on it was Grod. City. Grod. And I, uh, I so did not expect. I, I love if, that if, idea. If, if there was any, and I actually, I think I kind of said it to myself. I was like. Of all the people that they're going to bring in, they're not bringing in Grodd. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. And then the, the way fourth episode, yeah. <laughs> Grodd. I'm like, oh, the way my they do it. So I really, I really like that they've got, they're setting up for a Gorilla Grodd. For those of you who don't know, Gorilla Grodd is a gorilla with super genius intellect. So he's, you With know, mind control. Abilities. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's telepathic. He's a gorilla. He's mean. Uh, that's pretty Genius. much all you know about him. Which is funny because personally, I was just watching the Justice League uh, cartoon show like like the week before they showed this, and uh, Grodd had a uh, Flash and uh, John Stewart had to team up with Grodd yeah. because there was another. I think it was another eight something evil. Yeah, yeah, that came out and was like cont- uh, actually was controlling all of them. Nice. So perfect oh, timing. Uh, well, so, so that was. Don't worry about it, Tom. Humanoid so, something. Yeah. Yes. Also, to yeah. your point, real fast, Tom. They did. Uh, they've. They still have Ronnie as Firestorm, but they also casted uh, casted somebody as Jason Roush, who is the new Firestorm. So we now have two guys, right, 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 right. who are Firestorm. So who knows? Uh, Regardless, that'd be cool if they did the little Firestorm linking, thing the combining thing. Yeah. So my uh, my point to all this: uh, the episode of the Flash <laughs> involved Plastique, who's a former military. Uh, She's a soldier. That's what I'm gonna say. She was uh, she's an explosive ex- explosives expert. Got hit by a bomb or uh, an IED. Sent back home. Uh, then the particle accelerator went off. She became plastic. Fused her with the explosive material on her body. Experimented then on by the general. Got out. You know, tried to basically destroy evidence of her life and get away. Ended up you know going toe to toe with the general, yep. killing some soldiers. He killed her. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, all well and good. The episode was good. I liked it. But here was my thing is it aired on Tuesday. Right. Tuesday was right. Veterans Day. Yeah. And I almost thought for a second, while it wasn't blatant, it, I, I kind of it kind of got me thinking. I said, well, you know, was that in, was that in good taste to have a veteran right. being, you know, having to go against her commanding officer and after being experimented on by him and he's kind of corrupt and she ends up fighting some soldiers was in good taste. And that made me kind of think of broader, the representation of military veterans in comic books. Definitely. Um, we know there's a lot, a lot of characters with military background. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I would kind of open it up. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, I guess first off, I kind of wanted to, to go around and just say, you know, in general, um, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, who's, who's your favorite, your favorite military background character. You know, I, I definitely, obviously, obviously, obviously I would go with Captain America, Captain America. What? Yeah, I know. What? Right. Uh, Cap, Cap is my favorite. Uh, I also, I, I love the representation of Cap because he really is. He's, he's from, World I, War II. Spawn. No, I was not going to go spawn. I love spawn, but I was not going to go spawn. Um, Michael J. White. Steve Rogers yeah. was he was he was the represent representation of you know of purity of the American dream and in World War II World War II was the last you know great war quote unquote that we were involved in that we you know there was a very clear good and bad where we were the heroes we were fighting for the right reason against a very clear and obvious villain as opposed to more recent wars that have become 
a little more ambiguous, um, a little more questioning. You know, we had the we had the entire country behind us yeah. in World War II, and then we had all these other conflicts: Vietnam, Korea, you know, Desert Storm, where the country may not necessarily been one hundred percent. You know, right. and um, but Steve Rogers kind of he represents that style, and that's you know one of the things that I love about him is he he you know he represents that generation, the the good the good side of that generation. Obviously, there's horrors of war, and well, you know, we we, we see a lot more about you know. Um, post-traumatic stress disorder and all the effects it has today and we didn't really hear about it as much then which because it was probably more covered up people were more very private well we it it was going on but they just said dudes were shell-shocked yeah yeah and it was it was kind of just it was assumed yeah shake it off you know exactly so so cap is my favorite um he always will be i think i know who steve's is gonna be but he looks like he's thinking i was gonna say yeah (laughs) with with a certain long face skull uh, and kills people. Think, oh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that there's a great balance when you've got Cap, the, like you said, the all-American, the good war, the solid hero, and then you have the dark side of war with Frank Castle mm-hmm. and Punisher. And it's not that I'm like agreeing with what Punisher does. It's just seeing what it's done to him, like the two different wars. Cap had Nazis. They're the ones, they, I mean, they're pure evil. It's the Nazis. With Frank, you have this political issue in Vietnam. He's seeing horrors. His country, by the way, that was horrors. <laughs> <laughs> he may have seen horrors too. Um, many of them. Dealing with that horror, knowing that his country is not fully behind him. He sees all this happening, friends dying. He's inspired by Cap, but is not in the same type of fight. And then on top of that, you get his family killed. Yeah, right. And you can't top Cap. I mean, Cap is a Superman of Marvel. He's the you know, number one of that. But there's just something to me about Punisher's character who got the bad war. Who got the dark side of war? Two sides and of the same what coin. What's made him? Two sides exactly. of the same coin. You know, they're coin. they're both they're both they're both soldiers that did what they thought was right. You know, and while Cap had the glorious war, you know, he quote unquote hero. died. Yeah, he died a hero, died in battle, and then came back and was resurrected a hero. Frank Castle. Frank went, didn't get that. Frank went back to a country that was you know less than thankful for his service and his family being killed. So he, and he'll even admit. This isn't justice. Yeah. This is punishment. Yeah. When that's why yeah. he's that's why he goes by the Punisher. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Good explanation to Steve's. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Who's your uh, who's your 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 choice for military background superhero or comic book character in general? Uh, you know, when we were talking about it earlier, I really did kind of want to talk about the comedian, but I think I feel like I need to represent some DC. I mean, even though Vertigo is DC. Go for it. But uh, John Stewart. Ah. Uh, I really, I feel like he's my Green Lantern. Um, I know DC has been really trying to push Hal Jordan for the forefront. While in the past, like, 20 years, Hal Jordan's been bad. Like, no one really liked him and everyone liked John Stewart. So what was John Stewart? The Marine. And, you know, he was the second 
Herald or the second carrier of the Green Lantern ring and uh, the backup for Hal Jordan. Um, in some cases, it was said that he was supposed to be getting the the Lantern ring before Hal Jordan. It's just that Hal Jordan was closer. Uh, I really liked his character, at least in most iterations, where he's with the other Green Lanterns and he's kind of having to lead the forefront in terms of big military strategic attacks. So like in Blackest Night, he's the one leading the defense against all the Black Lanterns um, from attacking Earth. And he has to have this large-scale Green Lantern army attack everyone. What's up? I was going to say, John, John Stewart, he's, he's, he's got the military background. So does Hal Jordan, obviously. But Hal Jordan yeah. was a pilot as opposed yeah. to John Stewart being, you know, right. a grunt. You know, yeah. and he and but the thing about John Stewart is, and this is what I love, when they describe their uh, their creations, his are always using the ring. He's always so detailed, especially in his weapons. Like his, it's almost like his. You know, when when he creates something with the ring, it, it almost takes a little bit longer because his concentration is down to the nuts and bolts. If he creates a gun, you know, it's got the springs and the screws inside it. The same as what the same way if you took apart. Any standard issue, issue rifle. So, hi everybody. Hey everyone. Um, this might seem odd, but uh, this is David and Curtis. Hey. Um, basically, through uh, no fault of our own, by the hand of destiny, uh, we lost a good chunk of the the episode that you were just listening to. We are blaming it on... Bruce Banner Bruce hulking Banner. out, hulked out in here in the castle, Un- aka Sean Walsh. Unplugged something he should have unplugged. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, we uh, we were about to go on a, an incredible tangent, an incredibly emotionally powerful tangent that uh, we thought that we would not be able to recreate. Uh, it was completely unscripted, completely improved, completely perfect, and yes. thus unrecreatable. Is that a word? Yeah. Right now, it is now. It's, it is now. Webster, eat yeah. your heart out. Screw you, man. Um, so we don't have Tom. We don't have a Steve's right now. Um, basically, what you were going to hear was something amazing because we were talking about veterans. We were talking about their representation in comic books, and we started mm-hmm. to talk about our favorites, uh, our favorite representations. After that, we got a little more thankful, I would say, definitely. And, and you know, and we talked about the difficulties um, that any military personnel experience. Um, you know, we talked about representation. We talked about Punisher and Captain America and how there's d- basically two sides of the same coin, yep. you know, experiencing the the love and gratitude of your country versus the hatred and disdain. Same word. Right. Or even things that you or they would experience when they turn home or return home. Yeah. Uh, that's not favorable and not always a, a welcome mat yeah. rolled out for them. Although for each and every one, there should be two or exactly. three that they exactly. can tap dance on. <laughs> and we, uh, we, we talked, we talked about PTSD. Uh, we talked about the, the horrible effects that war can have on people. And also the, the way it, that can be used to, to create a character and develop a character's personality, a character's issues. Um, the, the big thing that we just wanted to do because we weren't able to do it, losing that last chunk. We're not going to try. Like Curtis and I, we can't recreate the the powerful emotions and the, and the beautiful things we said. No. What we can do is we can just you know we can hit on a couple of the things. Um, one of the biggest things we want to do is we wanted to thank the people we personally know in our lives 
who have made the sacrifice, made the choice to um, enter service of our military. Um, we're talking about, you know, friends, coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about Jay Lopez, oh, yeah. Marines. We're talking about Dismang in the Army. Yeah. Uh, my best friend, Chris Patton, he's down in, he's down south. My dad served uh, in, the, in the Army in the, the 70s. Yeah. Um, we got a, we had, we had a lot of stuff. You know, we talked about friends. You know, we didn't necessarily say some of the names. We talked about friends that we've all seen go and might, maybe not come back. Yeah. Um, whether it's physically or mentally. Uh, and the loss and the the pain that can really be associated with it, and we just wanted to 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 tell you guys that you know we, we had a great conversation about it. We're 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 hurt that we weren't able to give it to you yep. because it was really we we felt that we had um we'd summed it up pretty nicely and we had we had thanked a lot of people, um, and then we had also talked about the way you know comic books as always are a direct mirror you know representation of. Society as a whole. I mean, pop culture represents so many things, but comic books, especially, you know, we, we talk about the experiences, you know, we talk about our own personal connections. Um, and I mean, when you, when you have a character like Frank Castle coming back from Vietnam, you have a character like Flash Thompson, who was kind of a modern punisher. You know, he, he went to, he went into desert storm, um, came back missing his legs and you know, the, the work that he did in the comics, you know, for, for the VA and, connecting with a, with a homeless veteran who had also been, you know, in the same war. We, we talked about the, the power that can have and also the way, you know, we, we, we always talk about representation and just like any other group, whether it's, you know, uh, your, your sexuality, your race, your religion, your representation, your voice is huge. And if you don't have a voice for yourself, it can be really difficult and you might not necessarily agree with the way someone is represented. Um, but I feel like, you know, like there were all the, there was always those characters that, basically the military side of them gave us a, a violent past, gave us a way to look at that character as something that had a, a dark history and something that you didn't want to come out unless, you know, the most dire circumstances because someone needed to die. And I feel like we've, we've while that's still prevalent because it still happens, we also have a lot more characters now that the the military history, the military service isn't a bad thing. It's not something that left a dark blemish in their past. It's something that shows dedication, honor, you know, a, a sacrifice, you know, give, giving yourself to something bigger than just the average. Um, and so we just wanted to make sure that in some way we said the message that we wanted to say in the last like 12 minutes of that episode. <laughs> yeah. It was such a good 12 minutes. Oh, man. And it sucks that we lost it, but we, like I said, we just really we wanted to thank everybody who is who has served, is serving, or plans to serve yep. the country's military in some way or another. You're braver than we are, you know. We just we just read comic books and talk about them, <laughs> <laughs> which we we're basically reading about them. I yeah. mean, these these are the guys that the the superheroes are based off of. You know, they're the source. You know, uh, of these courageous acts and these, you know, fantastic stories where people are, you know, d- defending, you know, the people that aren't strong enough to stand up for themselves. You know, and that happens every every day, every time someone puts on a uniform, goes out there, you know, and, and says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand up for, for the people where I live. I'm going to stand up for my family and my friends and, you know, and I'm going to serve my country and I'm going to you know, sacrifice the ultimate thing that I can, which is my, my life, you know, f- for 
what I believe in and for the love that I have from the people that live right next to me, my next door neighbors and my, my daughter and my, my, my sons and all that stuff. So, you know, just, just wanted to tell you guys that, you know, it was Veterans Day, but we read comic books and you guys are always in comic books everywhere. So we just wanted to tell you that we're always thinking about you because we're always reading, we're always watching and we appreciate your service, your sacrifice. And, uh, David Barry says, if you see him, you get around on him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we, uh, I feel like we managed to get some of the emotion. There. That was <laughs> we good. got some of it. <laughs> we, we managed to get it. Um, I don't remember. I mean, at the end of that episode, I don't even remember exactly. Yeah, it was. It's definitely something that that, that can't be recreated. But it was very heartfelt. And, yeah, you know, but we couldn't give you guys that gift, but we're hoping that you you accept this. As, in uh, uh, you know, yeah. in lieu of yeah. So for the Capeless Crusaders that night, and at the end, I mean, this episode really, you do have the Azorian one, Anthony Steves. You do have Tall, Dark, Not Ugly. Uh, as Thomas Ekapoon Pet Borisuth, whatever. Uh, you've got me, David Barry at Dr. Barry, and as always, Curtis Fisher at Calm Down Warning at Existential Romeo. And at the end of that episode, I used a fantastic quote, which I am planning on doing here. Um, that is from the man himself, Captain Steve Rogers, and that is, I am loyal to nothing, General, except the dream. We are the Capeless Crusaders. Good night. Good night.